uh, what a great time we had in our last series of talking about being empowered um, by, the, by the Holy Spirit and all of the ways that we see the Spirit at work in Scripture, Old Testament, and New. And knowing what it means that as a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us and, and all of those things. So I hope you had a chance to, to be a part of a, those messages. Anything you missed, of course, you can grab online or, or, or on the podcast. So we are going to start into a new series today. Uh, for the rest of June, um, we are going to look at a book of the Bible that we do not talk about very often. Um, I hope to do this more and more because uh, my belief, if you've known me for any period of time, my belief is always that all of Scripture has something to say. And even if it's a little bit more difficult to understand or takes a little bit more unpacking or it's just something that's not as familiar as John 3.16, that doesn't mean there's not something to be gleaned from it. And so I always want to try to make sure that we are not afraid to open our Bibles in any, to any part of it and believe that the Spirit will speak to the church. Amen? Amen. And even if you're not there, you'll get there and it'll be awesome. So let's start with this this morning. What do you do when your belief system does not match your experience? Thank you. I also felt that way, which is why it is the first line in my manuscript here. Yes. What do you do when your belief system does not match your experience? I forgot to fact check some of this, so if I'm wrong, I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. But I know that you know what I mean about this. I I fact checked this on Google. That's what I'm saying. I didn't talk to any individuals. Um, If you're a Bears fan, yeah, I'm looking at you. You're a Bears fan, aren't you, Pastor Ethan? Isn't that who you follow? Oh, the Bills fan. Oh, yeah, that was a different team. Anyway, are there any Bears fans? I can skip this one. Maybe we'll start with them because there's nobody in the room. It'll maybe soften the blow. It's the Bills for you and Jack. Guys, it's hard to keep up with the rivalries in the church. I do my best. Um, If you were were a Bears fan, let's say, um, the Bears, according to the Google, hasn't won the Super Bowl since 1986. And there are people who still cheer for them every single year. The question, of course, we're asking is, what happens when your belief system doesn't match your experience? I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this because of my deep respect for Walt, but Vikings fans. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm right. I forgot to ask you, but 45 years since the Super Bowl um, appearance. A, appearance. Yeah, appearance. Not a win, an appearance. Yeah, 45 years since the Super Bowl appearance. But you faithfully cheer. You, you faithfully cheer. The Blue Jays have missed the playoffs 24 out of 27 seasons since they won their, their last World Series in 93. That's gross. I'm going to see them this week. I hope they win. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know what I have to say, but Leafs fans, you know. Just, you just want to stop for prayer right now. 55 years? Of, do I have that right? That's for my dad. Is it 55 years since the Stanley Cup, last Stanley Cup win? I mean, sometimes your belief system does not match your experience, you know? <laughs> My dad has been a Leafs fan his whole life, and he'll always say, you know, the, the, it's a joke now, but it's always like, well, they're in a rebuilding year. It's a rebuilding. It's 55 years of rebuilding. We're rebuilding. Just, is that right? That's what we say, right? Yeah, okay. That's the human condition in so many different ways. It. And that, um, in Scripture, this is what we're going to talk about. This was Habakkuk's struggle. He knew uh, what he knew to be true about God, but it didn't really match his experience in the real world. 
not by, not by a long shot in a lot of ways. Uh, Habakkuk was a prophet who lived around the same time as Jeremiah, and he wrote a book of prophecy just before Israel, or specifically here Judah, was taken into exile by the Babylonians. And so I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a little heads up because it might be a little hard to find. Um, it's a small book of prophecy that's sort of in the middle. Uh, don't be afraid to use your index. There's no shame in that. You don't have to memorize where it is. Um, and, uh, and if you're on version with us, of course, it's already loaded for you there. Uh, if you go to the version app and then more than events, it's there for you already. But just give, us, give yourself a second to find the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk's words are really unique among the, the prophecy that you read in Scripture. Because there is a lot of, of, of prophetic writing in Scripture. But this one does read a little bit differently. Because it's not a message from God directly to the people of Judah or to the king or to a nation, which is what you typically will read in the prophetic books. But instead, it's, like a, it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. Um, and by the way, we did take a little poll this morning in our prayer circle about how to pronounce Habakkuk. You'll, you'll notice I am just confidently walking through the pronunciation I have learned as a child. And if you have pronounced it differently in your life, you be very free. I said at the end of the day, I don't speak Hebrew in any way, shape, or form. And so uh, this is how I've always said it my whole life, but I know there are other pronunciations. So if you hear it differently, be free to say it like that, whatever floats your boat because it doesn't change anything about the content we're going to read. This is a dialogue we're reading between Habakkuk and God. And it's not quite like like looking at a personal journal. It kind of reads that way a little bit because we know that it was intended for public domain. Um, It was intended that even though it's in the form of a conversation, that his voice is speaking on behalf of the nation and that God is speaking back to him, but also for the nation of Judah. And I I think you'll find that what's great about this context, the way that this is written, is that it's really easy to relate to what what, what he's saying because of it. At least I I think it is. There There are some things that really just rings true, that was really ring true when Habakkuk calls and God answers. And then I, so this is what I named this series was call and answer. Because if you're already in the book of Habakkuk, now you'll see just briefly, if you just skim those three chapters, that's exactly what's happening here. Habakkuk calls, God answers. And the book of Habakkuk starts off in verse one by saying, the prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. And it seems pretty straightforward, but I want you to know that that word prophecy um, actually uh, is maybe better translated as the word burden. Um, that's, a, that's actually a really common uh, definition of the word prophecy. And so it might better read to us in English as the burden that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. In other words, there was a burden in that it was a, there was a real weight to it. He was carrying a weight, and then God, and that what God revealed to him was also very weighty. And so that's kind of how you can read that first verse. So let's read the first couple of verses here together in the book of Habakkuk, starting, of course, in chapter 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Habakkuk's complaint. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. 
So what we read here that, that is being said is that Habakkuk is saying, listen, God, I don't understand why you can't see what's happening here. Wicked leaders are oppressing people. Specifically, people who are trying to be righteous, who are trying to do the right thing. And, and there are wicked people all around. And, I, and scripture says that, that the wicked are supposed to uh, suffer and the righteous are supposed to prosper under the blessing of God. And that is not at all what's happening. Isn't that your promise, God? Why do you allow this to go on? Where are you? Why don't you hear? Why don't you help? Habakkuk says that the law is paralyzed. So literally meaning like numbed or cool. It's, it's, it's unable to be in action in any way. In other words, he's saying that justice in their culture, in their country, is absent. And not only does injustice go unchecked in every way that he can see, but those who are trying to do right are stopped from doing right. And they're frustrated in their attempt to make things better. And he must have been hoping when he poured out this complaint to God that God was going to return a word of hope and salvation. But he received something, not, not that, but not quite that either. And he received a promise of judgment, of just judgment. That was what he was asking for, but from a very unexpected source. Let's start again in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Which is funny, because he is about to be told. But anyway, you get it for emphasis. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole world to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps to capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. It's not a great word. It is, it is an answer. Uh, we're going to get into that. I'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about that next week. But I want for this morning for us to focus on something really important. And then we'll get into kind of what happens when God answers you, but it's not what you expect uh, a little bit more next week. But for our purposes this morning, I really want you to see this, that when Habakkuk called, God answered. One of the commentaries said it like this, Judah's sin would not go unchecked. Justice was not net, dead, nor did it sleep. Discipline was forthcoming, and correction was on the way. This is all in God's answer. But the surprise was not the anticipated discipline, but the dispenser of the discipline. It was not the coming of the correction that was unbelievable, but the channel of the correction that seemed so incredible. In other words, God was going to use the Babylonians to bring his justice. Now, the Babylonians, or in your, in your translation of the Bible, might say Chaldeans, which is, uh, they're synonymous. They were ancient people who were literally conquering, like bursting across the world. One, one writer said, like, lava flowing out of a volcano, just conquering everything in their sight. They were unmatched in their status and their speed and their success, and anyone who tried to stand against them was uh, devoured and completely conquered. They conquered everything that they touched. 
And they were so confident in their strength and they scoffed at every ruler or every king or anyone who tried to stand up against them. And they worshiped their own strength. That's how strong they were in everything they touched. And so in this exchange between God and Habakkuk, we will, and what we'll read in the rest of chapter one and chapter two next week, God's ways are kind of unfathomable and even might seem like unjust. Did God just say that he's going to use their enemies to bring the justice that Habakkuk was looking for? And like I said, Habakkuk will take issue with this. Don't, don't worry, he will, and we'll talk about that next week. But the truth is that, that Habakkuk didn't just call on God. I'm calling it that just, you know, because it's, nice, it's a nice title. But what does Scripture actually say that Habakkuk did? If you have an NIV, uh, you'll see that there's a, there's a heading over the first part of chapter 1. It says what? Habakkuk's complaint. Habakkuk just complained to God. He straight up complained to him. God, why don't you hear? Why don't you help? Why do you tolerate this? Can't you see what's happening here? I'm trying to live for you, but your law is powerless in this culture, and I'm stuck here wondering where you are. Why have you stopped caring? Are you really there? And not to be cheeky, Lord, but if you haven't brought judgment yet, are you really just? That's the question. Like That's the, that's the honest question that's being asked. And so I wonder this morning, have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever complained to God like that? I want you to know that if you have, that's okay, because there's a word for this kind of prayer in Scripture. Do you know what it is? It's not called whining prayer or complaining prayer. It's called lament. And this is a really great example of it. Because you'll notice that God doesn't chastise Habakkuk for pouring out his complaint. He just, he just answers him. Not how he expects, like, you know, but he answers him. And in fact, Scripture is full of lament. Uh, did you know that 59 of 150 psalms are categorized as lament? That's the blue in the brain there. I have a really cool program that creates this, and if you hover over them, they, they, the actual, it's cool. It, like, shows you the whole psalm. But all of those blue psalms are categorized as lament. There's 150 psalms. 59 of them are laments like this. Psalm 13 is a really great example of that. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Biblical writers were not afraid to complain to God, to question him. They knew that they were basically asking rhetorical questions, um, but they asked him anyway. They asked the question that was on their heart, which of course leads us back to what we are reading from Habakkuk. Because in that same tradition, Habakkuk laments to God. And maybe he assumed his prayer was rhetorical. Maybe this wasn't the first time he had poured out a complaint like this to God. But he took to God what was on his heart and the burden that he was carrying for himself and for the people around him and the nation that he loved. And he seemed to have done it very freely. And so the question comes back to, without so much of the sting of some of the examples I used earlier, what do you do when your theological understanding of God doesn't match your experience with him? Is he good? Yeah. 
Is he able? Yes. Is he faithful? Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Does he speak to us? Yes. But what I'm going through right now isn't good and hasn't come through. He hasn't come through like I asked. I don't feel loved and I can't hear him at all. Have you ever felt like that? I can promise you that this is a normal human emotion. I had this conversation very recently with somebody. That when you, you know these things are true of God, you could cite them and you would probably teach them to your children. But what you're going through right now, you can't, you can't understand how, how he is all of those things in what you're facing right now. I just want, I, I just, I do want to say, I hear this a lot from people, how they don't feel like they, they, that God speaks or that they don't hear God. Or, or This is a very common thing, and I want to just say that to you. If you are in a place where it is, you either feel like you haven't heard God in a long time, you, haven't, you don't know he's speaking, you, do, you know that's theoretically true, but you don't feel like it's true of you, I want you to know that that is not, you're not broken. I mean, you're broken. We're all broken. But that's, that's a normal human experience. To wrestle with these questions is a normal human experience and doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and it doesn't mean that the things you believe about God are not true. Just believe, it just means a, a little something else about learning how to look for where God is and learning how to see what he's doing, which is what we're looking at right here in this book of prophecy. I did name this series Call and Answer because I believe that Scripture gives provision for both. To, to, it gives provision for the call. When our experience doesn't match our belief, are we allowed to tell God about that? Yes. Scripture gives all kinds of provision for that. And it also gives provision for the answer that God can and will speak to us as we call on him. So the call first, because let me just tell you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I just need you to know, in case you don't know this yet, we are invited repeatedly in Scripture to call on God. We have examples of this all through scriptures. We have prayers and laments and praise for people who are in pain, for, for healing, for children, for protection, for blessing, for his presence, for commissioning, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for understanding, for help, in gratitude, in desperation, in joy, and in suffering. There are so many times in scripture when people are calling on God. And when our experience doesn't match our belief, we have instructions to call on the God we believe in. And when we believe that we are calling on a God who answers, even when it's hard to see, even when the answer is surprising, like is happening here, we do believe that we are calling on a God who answers. So take a look at something really specific in this scripture with me, in this exchange between Habakkuk and God. Something really interesting that was pointed out as I was studying it, and I thought, man, God is... So thoughtful. He's so specific. In Habakkuk's complaint, in his lament, he says in verse 3, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? The verb tolerate here means to stand by and watch something happen. Right? It's just like the, the, that person who just like stands there and doesn't do anything. Now look um, in, in your Bible there, look at verse 5 and hear, and, and notice what, how God responds. In verse 5, God says, look at the nations and watch 
and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days you would not believe, even if you were told. These in the Hebrew, though I don't speak it, I know how to find out what it says with my fancy software. In the Hebrew, these are the same verbs. Look and watch. Why do you make me look? What does God say? Look at the nations. Habakkuk says, why do you stand by and watch? The verb is translated in English as tolerate, but that's what it means. Stand by and watch is the exact same verb. God says, watch and be amazed. There are two things that are interesting to me about this. First, God heard Habakkuk's lament specifically. He wasn't distracted. I always get this picture of that movie, Bruce Almighty, when he's trying to answer all the prayers on the computer. Like, there's so many prayers coming in, and how can he possibly answer them all? This, of course, that's ridiculous. But God is not distracted by all the prayers and all the things in his busy schedule. He hears Habakkuk specifically. He has the ability to hear every single one of you, wherever you are at any time. He's not distracted. He heard specifically what Habakkuk said, and he responded to him specifically. And the second thing that stands out to me here is that God's answer may not be what is expected. Because, and I'll tell you, that first point is very encouraging. I heard a couple of amens in the room. That God hears you specifically. Amen! He hears me. Look and watch. Look and watch. God, you hear me. I'm so encouraged by that. And that's how it's supposed to be. But I suspect that that second point, that God's answer may not be what is expected, is the one that trips, trips us up. Often we think that uh, we, we don't think we're hearing from God. We don't think he's speaking to us when our calls, go, that our, our, our calls to him are going unanswered. But what if we just don't know how to recognize the response? What if we're like f- so focused on one direction that we miss that God is doing something else entirely? What if the answer to the prayer, to the lament, to that distress that you're calling out to him with is something unexpected? or like tongue-in-cheek, worse, it requires trust and patience. What if? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Trust and patience. What if God is actually calling us to look and watch and be amazed? What if what we really need are eyes to see that God is, in fact, responding? I'll tell you, in the human condition, when you are in a place of calling out to God, it can be hard to take a step back and see what he might be doing. When you are desperately calling for him to meet you in a particular situation or in a particular request or for a particular need, I know that it is extraordinarily difficult to step back and see how he might be answering. I know that. But I would suggest to you from scripture this morning that that is exactly what we're called to do, is to assume that God is hearing and answering and then to step back and look and watch and see where he might be intervening, maybe in a place that's unexpected. So let me ask you this morning about this. Maybe you really struggle to be honest with God. I want you to know that you're not alone in that. Maybe you, your tradition or what you've learned about God or, or, or something you were taught about faith tells you that you have to come, you first of all have to have all the right words to say 
You have to say them in like a kind of holier-than-thou sort of way. Maybe you've been taught that if you don't pray the right prayer, you won't get the right response. Maybe you're just kind of afraid to say what's on your heart to God because you fear that. If you really tell him what you think, you actually tell him your doubts about him or about your situation or about anything else that your faith might crumble. Like if you ask too hard of a question, that, ever, that, you're, that, that, that the foundation of your faith might not be able to handle it. Maybe you're afraid that God will disappoint you. You don't ask, you don't lament, you don't, um, you, you, you don't do any of those things. Instead, your, your, your way of, of going through life is to endure with as much hope as you can muster, but sometimes it's not much. With as much joy as you can muster, but it, it really isn't much. You want to walk in as much freedom as you can, but really it's not much. Because you haven't really told God what's going on with you. You really haven't trusted him with your heart because you are afraid that the answer you'll receive will disappoint you. Maybe you've felt unheard or unknown by God. Maybe you knew exactly what I meant when I said your experience with him doesn't match who you thought he was or who you have taught that, been taught that he is. And you feel like you're on shaky footing because you don't know where he is in the midst of your situation. I again, not to be overly emotional, I just want to affirm that if any of those things are true of you, you are not alone. Like not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. I want to break down then for you what I read in these verses that I, I hope will help you if you're in any of those places. And if you're not, um, you may find yourself there in the future. I want to say it like this. First of all, go ahead and complain to God. There is an extraordinary scriptural precedent for that. Tell him. Tell him. You complain to everybody else. Just complain to God. He already knew anyway. I don't, don't complain to others. Don't put it on your Facebook feed. Do you know, I got to tell you a little pet peeve. Maybe I shouldn't even start. I shouldn't start. I shouldn't start. Friends, listen, from my heart to yours, if you are asking for prayer on your Facebook feed, that's cool. That's, I don't I have no problem with that. But tell me that you have prayed for it first yourself. Because I find that so much. Oh, God doesn't speak to me. When was the last time you asked him anything? That's just saying, just saying. Just, if you're going to put it on there, I'm going to assume that you have already brought this to the Lord yourself and that I'm happy to come alongside and let's go. It, with the one exception, of course, is <laughs> if you are at the end of your rope and you don't know how to pray, you're welcome to ask for prayer for that too. But maybe not on Facebook. Just call me. We will pray for you. Anyway, I just, all right, just pray for me, guys, because everything's going wrong or whatever. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know what that is. What do you want me to do? Just call me. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. Anyway, see, so I shouldn't have got off, then I'm off first. Let's go back. Let's refocus, you guys. First of all, go ahead and complain to God about anything. Don't complain to others. Don't worry. Don't get anxious. Don't fret. Don't stew or anything else. Take your lament to God first. Honestly and without fear, he can handle your question. If you wonder if that's true, just look anywhere in Scripture. He handled the questions, the really, really hard questions 
questions. Your faith will not crumble. It will be strengthened. That is what I have found in my life over and over and over again. He will not disappoint. Even when I don't understand, he has been faithful to me. You will also just feel better when you tell Jesus what is on your heart. You'll feel better. That's just that also. When you tell him what's going on, it will change the course of your heart and your mind. Telling your friend or changing your Facebook status is not the same thing as pouring out your heart to God. So go ahead and complain to God. I invite you. Scripture invites you. Secondly, assume that he hears you. Assume that he wants to communicate with you. Come from that posture. As I like to sometimes say, settle it. Stop asking if it's true. It's true. Settle it. He is hearing you, and he wants to respond and communicate with you. Look at the evidence of Scripture. If you haven't felt, felt it or sensed it in your own life, Scripture will show it to you over and over. Jeremiah 33.3, great example. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. These are the promises of Scripture. So settle it that you can cry out to him, you can complain to him, you can lay your heart before him, and believe that he is hearing and wants to answer. Just settle it. And the third thing is, look and watch. <laughs> look and watch. That's what God told Habakkuk to do. Not just for the thing that you think you should see, the answer that you think you need, but for where God might actually be at work in a surprising way. He is so often in an unexpected place with an idea or an option or an answer that we hadn't considered. But man, turns out to be much better than we had even anticipated or something that's for our good. It's a refining of our character that needed to happen. It's a laying down of an idol that needed to happen. God is answering, but we sometimes need to just look and watch. Habakkuk complains to God again. You'll see that in, in the scriptures if you're following in the book of Habakkuk. You'll see when God answers him, that's not enough. That's not the end of this story. And at the end of his second complaint, his second lament to God, this is what Habakkuk says. I'll probably yell about it a bit next week too, so this is just a preamble for that. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. Like a watchman standing guard, looking at the city, trying to see what's coming, trying to see that messenger running with news. Habakkuk stationed himself to hear from God. He waited and he watched. What a posture, church. What a posture. So I would suggest that this is exactly what we need to do today and every day. To lament. Tell him what is going on in your life. He is inviting you to share your heart. Assume that he hears you. Come with the expectation that the, the God of the universe hears your prayer. He's even willing to listen to your whining if that's where you are at. He's not afraid of it. His character isn't going to crumble under the weight of your question. And then look and watch how he might be responding to you. I want to invite you, Adam, why don't you come and, and can you sing whatever you want to? 
I wanted to give him instruction this, in our prayer circle today, and then I was like, ah, you'll know, you, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just to help, um, to invite the Lord to speak these things to us this morning. But I also very specifically want to invite you to Deep Roots tonight, because while we always want to take, a time, uh, take time to pray for our church and community and what God would have for us and around us, we are also going to take some time to um, walk out these prayers. So if you are in a place where you want to do that, you don't have to have some big crisis in your life, by the way. Sometimes there's just, there's just something, you know, maybe there's uh, something you're coming against over and over again. Maybe you're looking for a breakthrough in your spiritual life. I know you had a chance last week, but perhaps you have been seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's just, it's been a frustrating thing, and you're not really sure, and you've kind of given up on maybe what that even is, and that empowering. I want to, like, to come and, and to lay that before the Lord, and to seek his face, and to, and to cry out to him for what's next in your life, whatever it is. I want to invite you to come because in Deep Roots, we are going to specifically spend some time so that we don't feel rushed and we have, we have a, a good amount of time to just be in the presence of God together. So we want to invite you at 6.30 tonight. If you've never been to a prayer meeting before, it's not even scary, okay? So I know sometimes you go, oh, what if they're going to ask me to like pray in front of everybody? I won't. Unless I know you and I want to call you. No, I won't. I won't. Uh, we don't do that. It really is just a place if you want to share something or if you do have a prayer, whatever, that's always available. But it's a, it's a place to come and just to be unrushed and in the presence of God. It's a place to come and say, everything else in my schedule is on pause. What I need is you. What I need is to hear from you. I keep running into this thing, God. I, I keep making this more important than you. I, I, I'm desperate in this area of my life and, and, and the world around me is just moving faster than I can keep up with and I know that I actually just need you. And that's that space. That's what Deep Roots is intended for. So you're invited to come at 6.30 and, um, and just spend that time kind of living out what I, I was just talking about from Habakkuk. But even as we, as we close this morning, I want to invite you just, you can even stay in your seats. I want you to be in a really relaxed posture, though. If you want to stand or do anything else, of course, you're free to do so. I want you in this posture that you're in right now to just think about this invitation. When was the last time you took up the invitation from Scripture to come and pour out your heart to God? To assume in that posture that He hears you and then to take the time and space to look and to watch for what he might be doing and how he might be intervening, how he might be sending someone alongside, how he might be bringing you a word of encouragement, how he might be showing up in an unexpected way. When was the last time that you, you really took the time to do that? So in this moment, as Adam leads us, I wanna invite you just to come back to that space come back to that. Allow yourself to, to say, Lord, this is who I want to be. This is how I want to respond. I have been afraid. I have thought you might disappoint me. I have thought that you weren't listening. And I want to come to a place of faith that says, I, I don't see the answer right now, but I want to believe that you're with me. Allow him to just speak these messages of truth from the word over your life as, as Adam leads us one more time this morning.